In today's episode, I am speaking to Marimutu Kumar Rasami, and we are having a fantastic conversation. And you may know him as Kumar. He's affectionately known and widely known as Kumar. Um, Kumar is the Deputy Ku, um, Deputy Chief Operating Officer, that is, at Birmingham and Solihull Mental Health Trust. He's also the chairman of the British Indian Nurses Association. I'm saying it very slowly to make sure I get it right. But the conversation we have today will inspire many. And I know I say this a lot, but this is a deeply inspiring conversation. I think Kumar shares with us about his journey, about what helped him um, to where he is now, but also some extreme challenges that he faced and how his determination and perseverance has led him to where he is today. He talks about leaving the organization where he is now early in his career and coming back when he saw a real shift and change in the culture because the board was more diverse and having a CEO who is truly committed to driving an inclusive culture and workforce. He speaks about why representation matters. And we also speak about the different networks that have supported him and why he was driven to start Bina and how he is using and driving and using his power and influence, I think is the way that I would describe it, to help others to progress to have a deeper understanding of um, settling and working in the NHS here when you are in a minority and really also bringing people back together about what more we can all do to help turn the dial now. So I hope you enjoy this. Um, and I think that we will be inviting Kumar back because I think there's going to be a lot more to his story and journey as he continues to progress his career. Okay, so hi, um, I would like to introduce my guest, a very special guest today, who I'm very excited to welcome to Bravery in the Boardroom. So Marimutu Kumarasami, and I know that you like to be known as Kumar, and Absolutely. you're very well known as Kumar. So Kumar, it'd be great for you to tell me about, um, to introduce yourself and tell me about your role now. Yeah, thank you, Monique. Um, I'm Kumar. Uh, I'm nurse by background, mm -hmm. and uh, currently I'm the Deputy Chief Operating Officer for Birmingham and Solid Mental Health Trust. Yes. Um, I'm also the founder and chairman for British Indian Nurses Association. BINA, okay, Bina. and I know I'm gonna be asking you some more about um, BINA. Um, and just to say a little bit before we kick off, why I'm excited um, to have you with me here today, Kumar, is because I've known you for a while now, um, and I know you're very passionate about supporting and encouraging colleagues, particularly black and brown colleagues, to progress in their careers but also to, I know you're keen to share your journey and story as well and how you're using your own power and influence for good and for the good of others. So I hope for our conversation today, um, we can pick up on that, all right? Happy so, to, yeah. great. So before we kick off, it's always really good. I like to know a little bit about you as a leader. So what three words would you use to describe your leadership style? Um, Value-based, mm -hmm. inclusive, mm -hmm. Thoughtful. Mm. I can use one more word also. One more then. Yeah. Go on. <laughs> Accountable. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. I think that will come out with some of the things that we're speaking about, but I'll remember those and come back to it. Um, I know that the audience, one of the reasons why we started the podcast is because we know our Bravery in the Boardroom audience want to know more about senior leaders, especially those from diverse backgrounds and about your journey. So it'd be really helpful to hear from you you're now a deputy coup. Mm. And what's been your journey into that role? Right. Um, I think um, uh, my career in health-related field, it's because of my dad. Mm -hmm. 
um i saw him as a sick person when i was like 4 5 years old he was having parkinson disease okay so whenever he gets admitted to the hospital i always used to be along with him so so even from the young age i was more exposed to hospital environments so that's one of the reason why i chose nursing as my career and then i completed my nursing back in india and i worked there for about 8 years then afterwards i came to this country in late 2003 Mm-hmm. and um uh, i'm one of the um, first batch um uh, a cohort of internationally recruited nurses yes and i joined birmingham surgical they came and did the international recruitment in india okay so um, yeah so that's how it started mm-hmm. so gradually i think i moved up the ladder and in between i had lot of difficulties i need to leave birmingham work around and finally came back to birmingham yeah Okay so tell me a little bit about your roles and um, so what sort of roles did you have before okay. your deputy curo right yeah um shall i start from ward manager yeah, yeah i think uh, when i came to this country in 2003 i think gradually i moved in my career and um, in 2008 i think i became a ward manager mm-hmm. after nearly about 4 years of becoming a, after being a ward manager i was trying for uh, band 8a roles like matron service manager like that but it was very hard and uh, it was very difficult to 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 get selected i attended many interviews mm-hmm. so at some point at some point at that point of time i had an opportunity uh, to to uh, lead a staff engagement project mm-hmm. that gave me a little bit of better experience so at the time i was um, i was listening into action lead Yes. for Birmingham and Solical Mental Health Trust. I remember listening into action. Yeah, yeah, yes, yeah, yeah. So, I, yeah, I was the lead for the trust. At the time, we we did a lot of uh, good works around the trust. And um, towards the end of the first year, I think our trust was one of the top 20 trust in the whole country. Mm-hmm. So, but after that, I could not find any any jobs that was suitable for me. So, I need to leave the Birmingham and Solical Mental Health Trust. I went to Shropshire. Mm-hmm. I joined the South Staffordshire and Shropshire Trust, which is now called as Midlands Partnership Trust. Okay. I was managing the acute mental health services there for about three years there, and then um, I moved to Manchester. I was managing the um, CAM services in Greater Manchester. And was that move for a promotion? Promotion. Yeah. So this is interesting. So, but luckily, you know, after that. Uh, by god's grace i had some good break mm. so after 14 months of in manchester i moved back to nottinghamshire healthcare trust okay there i was a general manager managing one of the forensic health services in um, east midlands mm-hmm. so there i was there for about 2 years and then i got the director job back in birmingham and solihull so i left birmingham and solihull mental health trust as a ward manager yes I came back to the same division yes as the uh, associate director of operations wow and I was in charge for the whole division yes where I found very difficult to get a 8 year job tell me so, a little bit more about that because um what a journey you know and listening to having that determination and perseverance yeah. to to go through that you know how many interviews you did and then taking a role like you said leaving your family yeah. um and and that's something I've heard quite a few times from colleagues um who want to progress their career about having to move away, you know, and to do that. But what you said there about the role was one level, it was downgraded, but you were still given those responsibilities and you still found it challenging. 
what sort of feedback was you getting? So when you were unsuccessful, what sort of feedback were you getting? What's your take on um, why you had to go through so many interviews? I think, you know, if you... If I recollect all those experiences, mm. I think when we go for the interviews, they'll be saying that you've been you missed by a very narrow margin. Yeah. The other person has slightly edged you. Mm. So that sort of feedback you get. I could remember like one other person said that I missed by a very narrow margin. I thought of just having a feedback. He gave a feedback for about half an hour, but he did not say what that narrow margin is. And finally, he said that, okay, that day may be a better day for the other person. So I don't know what to say, that sort of feedback. So then I gradually, I came to understand that it's it's not the problem with me. It's a problem with the, you know, the people on the other side. So, but one advice what I can give to, to people is that people need to be focused and they need to continue to try. They should not be giving up. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Do, do you think now, so I know that now there's an ever more focus yeah. on tackling inequality, tackling yeah. discrimination, stopping it, you know, pulling down the barriers to progression for yeah. people yeah. from ethnically diverse backgrounds. Yeah. I, I, would, I, I know that although there was work before, it wasn't as prominent as what it is now. I'm getting feedback that I'm always just just being edged out, you know. You know, regarding this racism or discrimination or, yeah, whatever be the case, yeah. Com- compared to my uh, experience in the last nearly about 19 years, I think after COVID, it's slightly better. Now people, they realize the importance of diversity in leadership. Mm-hmm. Before that, it's not the case. Mm-hmm. And also, if there is people, they are openly talking about the issues now. Mm-hmm. So currently, we both of us, we are discussing about that yes. issue now. Yes. That was not the case about yes. six, seven years before. Yes. I think that's one of the, you know, that's a big change after the COVID. Yes. People, they realize the potential, uh, you know, in these conversations and how things can be improved like that. Yeah. So I am very hopeful, to be honest. I'm very hopeful because currently I'm working for the Birmingham and Solihull Mental Health Trust. Mm-hmm. I worked for this trust before. I left in 2014. When I came back and I'm working now, it's a big difference. Mm. So Rosine, people like Rosine, Patrick, they are doing some sort of fabulous job in the trust. And um, it's the culture is different. different. Yeah. So I can see the changes happening. I think it's about uh, people taking some sort of collective leadership in this area mm-hmm. and able to influence in their own area. So yeah. that's important. Yeah. And and just for people, for our listeners who aren't aware, yeah. at Birmingham and Solihull, you have one of the you have one of the most diverse boards. Yeah. I know that. Yeah. Um, but and you also have a very proactive and outspoken CEO. Yeah. Um, who who calls out? That's right. Very much speaks a lot about yeah. inclusion, discrimination, yeah. and the yeah. work that needs yeah. to happen. Yeah. And driving that. So, yeah. you've almost answered one of my questions, haven't yeah. you? In that sense of um you've seen the difference in working in an organization when there's been a change in the board, yeah, yeah. when there is more diversity in leadership, yeah. when you have prominent um, black and brown senior leaders, yeah. the difference that that's made across the organization and for you yeah. and your experience yeah. as a senior leader there. Yeah, yeah. I think, I think the, you hit it, you said it, you hit the nail on the head. The reason why we are having these conversations is to call out and stop what happens. Some people would describe... Um, what happened in your th- those interviews had as bias yeah and in some cases it will be bias in other cases it's discrimination 
Yeah, and bias is a form of discrimination, yeah. subtle or insubtle. People understand biases. I think there's something about it's good to help people understand their biases. We use a language unconscious, right? Once you understand it, it's no longer unconscious, it's conscious and it's a form of discrimination. Yeah, and I think that's it's important to call that out because that is why there's so much work now yeah. about inclusive recruitment. Yeah, yeah. So, so let's come back to you. Let's come back to you and your journey. So spoken about um, that perseverance that you had, the challenges that you experienced. Be great to hear from you about some of the things that have supported you on your journey as well and in your role now. Yeah, yeah. Some of the things that supported me, I think um, one I need to say about Jabali Network. Mm. Yeah. I think it was started by Patrick and um, we are having a lot of men like me who are in senior positions. I think that gave me a lot of confidence. After becoming AHC, I joined that group. And after seeing many people from our own background in senior positions, it gives a different confidence. Mm. So when I was um, preparing for the 8D role, you know, the ops role, at the time I had a lot of help from people like Edwin, mm -hmm. who is the chief operating officer now in East London Foundation yeah. Trust. I had a lot of help from Chris Masikani, who is the chief operating officer for Black Country Partnership Trust and people like Patrick. Yeah. So this may not happen without that network. Yeah. So I uh, I want to say a lot of thanks and gratitude yeah. to, to that particular network. And then I'm part of Proud to be Ops Network also. Yemma mm -hmm. uh, Chalans, you know her. Yeah. She's the founder and the chair for that one. She is the one who is very um, keen on inclusive being, that network mm -hmm. being inclusive. Mm -hmm. And uh, initially it was like a deputy chief operating officer's network like. But she allowed people like me to join the network. Mm -hmm. I think people, they will, they will be saying that, um, is it like what you, you can't do, what you can't see or something like that? You, you can't know? be what you can't see. Right, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So, Emma allowed me to join that network. I was able to see people there. Mm -hmm. And that gave me some sort of confidence saying that I can reach out to them. Mm -hmm. uh, so, that helped me in a, way, a different way. So, five I'm part of that network for almost five years now. Yes. So now when I go into that space, I'm more confident. Yes. I'm more interactive and people, they know me. And uh, that made a big difference. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And apart from that, I think um, we also have support, you know, like personally, we have a lot of support from our church, from our family, from our friends and uh, from our communities. I think they see people like us as role models. Yes. And um, we inspire them in different way. So that's one of the reasons why we need to keep going. We need to keep breaking the barriers. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for that. And just um, what you were saying there. So I yeah. know we were speaking before we started recording about the Jabali Men's Network, which um, so we keep saying Patrick, Patrick, don't yeah. we? So for anyone who doesn't know who Patrick is, Patrick is Patrick Nairumbu. Yeah. He's yeah. a chief people officer yeah. and I think deputy CEO as yeah. well at yeah. your trust. Yes. Um, Patrick's been one of our guests on Bravery yeah. Boardroom um, panel before and is yeah. fantastic. But I think Patrick chairing the Jabali Men's Network, we were speaking about, um, I know a lot of senior colleagues particularly have been speaking with me about wanting to have micro networks. Yeah. And I, we were saying that it's that Jabali Men's Network sounds like yeah. a micro, it's specifically for um, male nurses um, from ethnically diverse backgrounds who are working at a 8C. So if, if you're not NHS, that's like a senior level and yeah. above. Um, and, I, and what you were sharing there about that support for career progression but also support for when you are in your senior role, dealing with challenges, dealing with complex situations. 
a safe space where you can be supported through that as well, mm. which is amazing. And then mentioning Proud to Be Ops, which I'd almost describe as the macro network, yeah. isn't it? The big one. Yeah. Um, and you say in being brave enough to, to be part of the network when you were in a more junior mm. role um, and your confidence growing. Yeah. Um, I know that you're a very active member of the network now and that you encourage other people to come That's into right, the yeah. space as well. So just the power of that being a welcoming space and we've had Emma as a guest before. She's very passionate mm. about bringing people together and being inclusive. Yeah. But also now seeing you as a kind of senior paid up member of the network, bringing forward other people into yeah. that as well, um, which is amazing. I know you do something else as well. And you mentioned it at the beginning about being the chairman of um, Beano. Yeah. Um, tell me a little bit more about why you started Beano. Yeah. You know, like uh, when you are in your leadership journey, you'll be at some point you'll be having a thought what i'm going to give back to our community hmm. so in yeah so when in nearly 2017-16 and all we thought about having some sort of supportive platform for indian nursing community yes so in 2017 i was working when i was working at manchester i was having some sort of good interaction with the bapio senior people BAPIO's British Association of Physicians of Indian Origin. Okay. So at that time, I think we were discussing about, we can also have a supportive platform like that for Indian nursing community. Yes. So it started that conversation gradually snowballed. And I met some sort of like-minded people like Suresh, who was also having similar thoughts. And then during the time of COVID, mm -hmm. uh, I realized that there is no that much of voice for the Indian nursing community. Mm -hmm. There were a lot of uh, voice for the black African nurses, mm -hmm. Filipino nurses, mm. but there is no that much voice for Indian nursing community. So at that time, we, again, uh, with the support of BAPIO and uh, other, uh, you know, like-minded people, uh, we founded uh, BINA, British Indian Nurse Association. When we started, uh, we started with around 200 members mm. in August 2020. And um, we inaugurated in November 2020, you know, our chief nursing officer, Ruth May, Yes. She came for our inauguration. She is the one who inaugurated uh, Bina. And now, you know, towards the end of last year, our membership crossed more than 3,000. Wow, wow, and, um, wow. We are having eight regional networks Yes. Uh, with our own WhatsApp group. And um, I think our, you know, the purpose of Bina is like when anybody is coming from India, I yes. think they need some sort of quality postural support, that cultural integration, like all those things. Those things are very crucial. Mm -hmm. So we help by providing quality postural support. So far, we worked with nearly about more than 40 NHS providers to support the international nursing community. Yes. And then, as you know, like if you go through the risk data, um, uh, BAME people, especially Asian people, are overrepresented at the front line. Mm -hmm. But if you go to the senior positions, mm -hmm. we are not having that many Asian people at all. For sure. So we need some sort of support for career progression. That's so well. we, th we thought that we need to help our community. So that's one of our other aim. So in the last nearly about three years, mm -hmm. uh, more than 300 people, they got promotions within the BNA group. Wow. So, yeah. So the impact that you're having, you Definitely, see that. Definitely, yeah. yeah. And we are having a very good team around us. For example, we are having committed, passionate people who want to make difference to our community. It's purely voluntary roles. I was going to ask you that. Yeah, it's purely voluntary. Nobody is paid. Mm. But all those people who are with us, uh, they are very passionate and they want to give something to the community. So if Bina is growing this much fast, it's because of that uh, uh, um, 
passionate team mm. so it's very difficult for me to take the credit yes <laughs> it goes to the whole team yeah i think uh, yeah, you know, i know you're a very humble man i know that i think there's something there though about the using you've used your your power to bring people together to and hearing that you did that when you were in your role at manchester aa is like a mid middle manager role why I'm calling that out is because we mentioned Emma, one of the things that uh, me and Emma spoke about was about um, we can all, we all have the power to drive change. We can all make a difference where we are. Um, and I love that what you shared there about, you know, as a mid-level manager, you took it, you took, you took the reins to say, let's bring this together. Let's do this. But also what you were saying there, um, a lot of people from our backgrounds do want to hold the ladder out and do want to help colleagues. They know the journey can be tough and they want to give time. And I think the fact that Bina gives a, gives space where you can actually, yeah. it's a bit of structure, there's some organisation. Mm -hmm. I can come here into this space and I'm, there's a network of people already here yeah. that I can give my help to, mm -hmm. I think is amazing. You know, watch this space because I think Bina can access some funding. Yeah, yeah. For sure, for sure, for sure. Thank I really you. do in terms of, that impact we're seeing so much international recruitment and as you say we know if any if anyone um has looked into this at any level you will see yeah. um how our international nursing community struggle because they are coming to a new space they aren't always welcome they may be on their own yeah. in a department who's never had someone from overseas in the department and actually that's really difficult so yeah. being able to have a, a space where you can access support yeah people who understand you feel like you're not on your own. Yeah. It's a big thing about retention, mm -hmm. isn't it? Yeah. You know, for example, from Bina perspective, mm. I work very closely with um, Ruth May, our chief nursing officer, and Duncan Burton, deputy chief nursing officer. Yes. Both of them are very passionate about our development. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because it's not easy, you know, people coming from different countries, right. joining our organization. It's not easy. Mm -hmm. So we, we, we just work very closely with, with the NHS England. And also Florence Nightingale Foundation. Yes. They provide a lot of support to people like us, uh, to associations like us, yes. to support our community. And um, there are other stakeholders like NHS professionals. So they also work very closely with us. And, uh, you know, BAPIO. Yes. BAPIO is having big influence. So far, uh, Bina, along with BAPIO, has signed a memorandum of understanding okay. with nearly about 10 providers saying that we will be working with you to yes. support our nursing community yeah. and medical community. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah we, we... So it's formalised. Yes. Yeah, yeah, that you're a formal yeah. partner yeah. working with them, which is amazing. And I think the other thing that comes to mind when we're speaking about this is sometimes people can say, oh, well, you know, you shouldn't start all of these smaller networks and groups on their own. You dilute the power. What I love about what you're sharing there is it's important, I think, to have micro networks because we're, like we said, like Jabali Men's Network, like what you're saying about Bina, but because then if you are, if that represents you, you feel like everyone here is like yeah. me. But what I love about what you shared there is how you connect back. Yeah. So actually you connect with other networks to that's come right. together as yeah. well. Yeah. And, and that's the beauty of being able to provide support that feels tailored yeah. and safe. Yeah but also we can connect up yeah. and have that power of collective voice yeah. with other nursing communities when we need to as well. Yeah, yeah. And uh, there's an important lesson there, I think, yeah, yeah, for yeah. Anyone, anyone out there, if this is inspiring you, you know, if this conversation is inspiring you to take action, if someone's been sitting there thinking, I really want to do something that helps 
a group I represent, I think don't be put off by doing it, but think about the micro and then how you can connect to the macro yeah, yeah. as well. I think regarding the micro networks, yeah, mm. it's very impactful. Yeah. Because, for example, I know about my journey. I can relate that journey to many people who are coming from India. Yes. That may not be the same for somebody coming from Africa. It yes. may be slightly different. Yes. For example, when we do the um, support CPD sessions to our nursing community, we have experienced people who had that journey. When they talk, they relate their experience. Yeah. That is easily relatable to the people who are coming in. Yes. So they'll be easily able to relate to them. Yeah. So that's very important. Mm -hmm. So that may not be the same when you're just uh, part of the bigger pool. Yes. On the other hand, we can learn a lot of things from yeah. each other. That's going to be there. Yeah. But we cannot underestimate the power of this type of mm -hmm. uh, focused. Yes. Um, it's even very difficult to me to call us micro networks because <laughs> India is a huge country. Yes, if you take is. the yes. international nursing community, yes. I think ours is the largest, I think. Yeah. If you take the non-European Union. So it's very Maybe specialised? Is that a better word? Maybe. Specialised? Maybe, maybe, maybe specialised. You'll think is, about it. <laughs> yeah, micro is a little bit. <laughs> yeah, because micro makes you think small, right? I'm mostly thinking tailored. Yeah, tailored yeah. or specialised, right, maybe yeah, that's yeah, a... Yeah. All right, have a think about what right word to yeah. use. Okay. On the other hand is that what... the Another key thing is that we need to think about how we can enhance the experience of other associations, mm -hmm. other networks. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. we should not be compromising anybody. We need yes. to share our experience, share yes. our learning with other people. Yes. That we very well do with yes. various other BAM diaspora associations. Yeah. We work very closely with them. If there is going to be any issue, we reach out to them to help and offer help like that. And I love that. So, yeah. I love that. I love that. Thank you for sharing that. It's really good to understand. And also for anyone listening. So yeah. what we will also make sure we do in the show notes is for anybody who's listening who wants to know more about Bina, we'll make sure that we leave um, the links and contacts in the show notes yeah. for people as well. So we touched on um, the difference it's been to you in, in your role and in your role now having a more diverse board. I wanted to ask you a little bit about, um, you know, Deputy Ku, yeah. very senior role. Yeah. Um, you are in the minority yeah. in the sense of um, you're an aspiring Ku. Yeah. Um, and me and you were saying yeah. there are there's hardly any diversity by colour um, at Ku level. You know, very few black or brown Ku's. Very few females as well, what we were talking about as well, isn't it? But... Um, talk to me about that because you are in a minority in that space. We're not seeing a lot of representation. Just be great to hear some of your views on that. What you are saying is absolutely true. Mm. For example, if you take the London region where the frontline staffing workforce is slightly more than 50 percentage BAME. Yeah. yeah. If you take the chief operating officer in the London, you know, in various mm. trusts within London, there is only one chief operating officer from BAME background. And that's Edwin yeah. from East London Foundation Trust. Yes. And in Midlands, we are not so bad, but it can be better. Yeah. We are having Chris in uh, Black Country. Mm -hmm. We are having Addy in Derbyshire. Yes. But when you, even when you go to any national forums, you don't see that many BAME people. Mm. So I think that's, uh, yeah, that's the area that we need to work on. And um, it's not easy. It's not easy, you know, in operations. I think when you go to any network, you see predominantly white males mm -hmm. and uh, then it's white females and um, it's, it's very difficult. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So um, we spoke, didn't we, about you that kind of saying you can't be what you can't see. Yeah. 
So it's almost breaking the chain, yeah. isn't it? And um, that com and, and I think that's why the special. I'm going to use it. Specialist networks. That's why the specialist networks are important mm. because um, you are likely to be, like you said, you're going to be one of a handful. So yeah. I'm saying you're going to be because I think you will get you will get a coup job. You will become a coup. Watch this space. Yeah. I, I know it's going to happen, yeah. but I think you will be one of few. So the importance of your network and your support yeah. will, will be prominent in that time, isn't it? When it can feel quite isolating. Yeah. It's a conversation that I think I would like to bring to a forum and a space actually, because we, we have seen, so where are we seeing, so if we think about NHS boardrooms, where are we seeing more diversity? Well, definitely in non-exec roles, we know that we know there's been a big drive for that, but if we come to executive roles, your, your medical office, you know, your chief medical officers and your medical directors, we're seeing more diversity there. Bit more in your chief nursing officers, more in your chief people officers, definitely, mm. and director of HR. So you've mm. got certain roles, isn't it, where you see, you're seeing it. Mm. And then we've got roles, like you said, like the coup, mm. like directors of strategy, where you, you're just not seeing mm. that. And I'd like to bring a conversation about, about that, actually. Yeah. I think it's, you know, in operations, that's one of the very tough area mm -hmm. because it's all about delivery. Mm -hmm. And um, if you don't deliver, um, people, they'll be doubting your presence there. Mm -hmm. Yeah, And for people from BAME background, I think usually I think the scrutiny will be more compared to white counterparts. So... Did you think there might be a fear of, of going, into, I think, going into senior ops roles? Yeah. Job is an accountable job. I think mm -hmm. um, um, we, we are accountable for the delivery. Mm -hmm. But the scrutiny needs to be fair in the sense like it yes. needs to be same like a... Yes. So um, from that perspective, I think it's um, it's not easy. Yes. And also on top of that, I think, you know, when you when people, when they see anything, there is two ways. It's either you can see the uh, half empty or half full. Mm -hmm. From my experience, from the interactions, you know, in the, in the last uh, eight, nine years, I think it's sometimes we experience more half empty, mm -hmm. that interaction, that conversations. Mm -hmm. But for the counter, for for my counterpart, it will be more half full. Yeah, that sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. And um, yeah. So that's the reality. Yeah, that's the reality. Yeah, and it's in, the reason why this is called bravery in the boardroom yeah. is it's about speaking about yeah, the reality, yeah. not to put people off. Yeah, yeah. But as I always yeah. describe, so that we we can support colleagues to be in a yeah. state of readiness. Yeah. So. Yeah. For you, like yeah. you're saying now, you've gone yeah. into a deputy coup yeah. role. It is yeah. challenging. Like you said, you're accountable. It's yeah. delivery. It's hard. It's yeah. full on all day, every day, yeah. you know. But the reality is mm. you are scrutinized yeah. differently, yeah. you know. And I think, yes, you have a supportive board, but you're working yeah. with colleagues up and down the yeah, organization. Yeah. Um, speaking about that honestly, because whilst we are lobbying, influencing, yeah. driving, yeah. challenging, yeah systemic barriers yeah yeah and blockages yeah. and behaviors yeah they're not moving overnight so whilst you're in a role now you're going to experience some of that mm. and i think it's important like i said to be honest because it helps you to be prepared for it mm. it helps you to navigate yeah. it helps you to challenge it yeah. as yeah. well yeah and to not think that you're going mad yeah, yeah. you know yeah. why does it feel like when i do something it's like mm. this but when someone else does it it's like that mm. no you're not going mad you yeah. will sometimes be under more scrutiny mm. from those in the majority, mm. sometimes under more scrutiny from your own community yeah, as well. Yeah. You know, they want you to win. They want you to do well. Mm. If you put a foot wrong, you feel like you're letting yeah. them down yeah, as absolutely. well. You know, so yeah. it's double, 
yeah double ended i think people you know who are looking at you from below they will be expecting you to go and change things very quickly yes yeah yes but the reality is that yes. you cannot go and change things very quickly because it's a culture it's a system yes and um, even being in that space is very difficult yes and we need to understand the space and then we need to effect changes that's yes. not going to be easy yes and also you yes. know for example you take my personal experience when i got the director job it wasn't easy mm. because i left the division as a ward manager yes i came back to the same division as the director mm. the person who was my boss after seven years i became that person's boss yes but luckily by god's grace i had a good support mm. uh, from the chief exec because yes. i had some sort of very rocky times mm-hmm. and she was able to support me with her experience and uh, and people like patrick they are very supportive and my own boss venessa devlin she was very supportive yes otherwise we can't survive yeah we can't survive so e- even if people yes being at this space is not easy mm-hmm. but the reality is that i am standing on giant shoulders yes yeah yes. and that's not only i can i can't say that i'm standing only on bame people like that yeah even white people they give their shoulders to lift us up for sure. so that's the reality i think you know um Thank you for sharing that and it's yeah. so true. These conversations are not saying that it's only we can only support our own. Ah. I think absolutely yeah. what you're saying about, you know, I've said it many times. Yeah. Whilst I had talent, yeah. whilst I was good at what I did, yeah. I had supportive inclusive managers yeah. every step of the That's way right. as yeah. well. Yeah. And the unfortunate thing though is yeah. I'm the exception and I think for you yeah. when I hear from so many colleagues yeah. we're the exception of having yeah. great supportive inclusive le- managers and leaders around us what we're driving yeah. here is to increase that yeah. so actually everyone with talent mm. regardless of background who wants to progress who has a desire to make a difference mm. therefore can achieve and fulfill their potential mm. and they're supported to do that not blocked and that's what it is isn't yeah. it when yeah. you do have them like you yeah. said you can overcome your challenges yeah. We're talking about the truth here. Mm. You know, NHS operational jobs are challenging. Challenging. Yeah. Um it doesn't mean it's the wrong career to go into. Mm. I think I hope this conversation provides enlightenment for people who do want to think about a career in senior ops. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's tough, but actually it can be really rewarding and you're delivering change and driving change for good. Mm-hmm. Um and I hope that that's what comes out of this yeah, conversation yeah, yeah, as well. Yeah, yeah. So And the other main challenge mm-hmm. is that you know, when people like us when we go to senior level, yeah? Mm-hmm. when we recruit people who look like us mm-hmm. yeah people they expect that when we go there we need to effect changes mm-hmm. so we are going to have more inclusive recruitment so because of that there is more chances of uh, people from different color getting the jobs mm-hmm. so at that time i think if people are not performing we will be people they will be quickly um, uh, doubting our integrity mm-hmm. but this does not happen to the white counterparts mm-hmm. for example mm-hmm. if a white senior leader is recruiting a white person mm-hmm. if the white person is not performing mm-hmm. they won't be that much under scrutiny but mm-hmm. for the bame people you will be immediately under the spotlight mm-hmm. they'll be thinking that whether you done the recruitment fairly mm-hmm. or is that person got the job because he is front of you because they look like us they think that we both of us we know each other very well that may not be the case at all yeah what will happen what i notice happens is when we mentioned you can't be who you can't see yeah yeah um you have a more diverse yeah. senior leadership team yeah. people now look organizations up yeah people are looking for more inclusion yeah. more diversity yeah. by age by yeah. gender by race yeah and um, by sexual orientation mm. they want to see inclusive spaces mm. 
people are choosing where they go based on that. What work are you doing as an organization mm-hmm. around inclusion, around flexibility, mm-hmm. around progression, mm-hmm. you know? And so if people see representation, yeah. it can attract them. Mm. I'd like to, if I see a job there, yeah. I'm going to apply for a job yeah. there. Like it looks representative. So you will, you will attract yeah. more. That's what exactly happened mm. in my division. Um, Doesn't surprise me. When, when I advertise any senior post, I'm having more BAME person applying for the job. So at, at one point I was asking myself why it's like that. Then I had a feedback saying that people, they feel that process are happening in a more fair way. Yes. So people, they like to apply and work yes. with you and that may be the reason. But now I think out of nearly in the, nearly about four or four people from BAME background, they joined the senior positions. Yeah. So that's a big achievement. And, um, and this is not because of quota system or anything like that. Mm. It's because of the pure inclusive recruitment process. And we were able to, to attract some sort of top talents and they were able to deliver. And I think that's such a, there, there's so much learning in what you've shared there about, yeah. we have we have organizations saying, you know, yeah. we want to increase yeah. our diverse talent pipelines. Yeah. We want to attract yeah. more diverse talent. We yeah. know that we've got yeah. teams and divisions where yeah. we don't have diversity. We're not representative of the communities we yeah. serve. How do we do this? And just listening to what you're saying there about, well, yes, there is, you've got to start somewhere. Yeah. You've got to start somewhere in starting to have more visible diversity at, who have mm. influence. Mm but also inclusive recruitment practices yeah. and people people talk. Yeah. Reputation, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, the reputation, yeah. if this is seen as a good place to work, yeah, an inclusive yeah. place to work, yeah. opportunities to grow, yeah. you will, like you said, you attract the top talent, you yeah. get competition for mm, roles, mm. you get the best candidates. Yeah. I think it's true, but I think you're calling out some, some really honest uh, challenges that you face about, you know, for some people, people are scared of difference. People are frightened of change. People are frightened of what might happen. Yeah. So if you recruit differently, if you bring people in that you've never had before, when something goes wrong, do you see what I mean? We tried something different mm. and it didn't work. That's a natural reaction. I think it's that thing about actually, no, like you said, let's see this through. We all have issues and challenges. Let's work that through. Mm. Just because somebody is different doesn't mean, oh, see, I told you so. That's why it's gone wrong. Sometimes it might go wrong, but a lot of the times it will go right. But Mm -hmm. I just think thank you because you really answered that question about what more can we do to attract diverse talent? What can we do to develop our succession pipelines? What you've shared there really shows what you're doing at your trust um, and how your leadership has helped that too. So we're coming to the end now. You'll be pleased to know. Okay. Um, final question from me. Yeah. Um, two more, if I may. Yeah. Um, you've shared a lot with what you've said. So I just want to check in. Is there any final words of advice you'd want to share, particularly for clinical colleagues? Because yeah. I know that um, we know vast majority of the NHS workforce yeah. is clinical. Um, there are different challenges yeah. that clinicians face. So any final messages of advice you'd want to share? I think we, we, we don't see that many BAME nurses mm-hmm. in operational roles. Mm-hmm. And I would encourage a lot of, you know, BAME people to try that one. Mm-hmm. My advice will be always like, we need to have a clear plan. We need to get the mentorship support. And we need to be focused. And we need to continue to try. We should not give up. I think that's the main thing. I think the one thing that's that strikes very much for me is that I never gave up at any time. Mm-hmm. 
I still continued. I always had some sort of hope uh, within my heart that I'll be able to have a good place. We'll be able to find a good place to work like that. Mm-hmm. So that's the key thing. We should not give up. Okay, thank you. And my very last question is: You've told. I mean, you've got a busy job. You're active in your community. You're chairman of Bina. So all these things going on. Question I always like to ask our guests is. Yeah. Um, what do you do to look after your well-being and your self-care? Um, I don't do that much. But okay. What I do is that um, you know prayers that helps me a lot, mm. and um, um, I'm having my mum who prays for me, and um, uh, talking to my mum gives lot of energy. Mm-hmm. And apart from that, I play cricket. Yes. And I watch cricket <laughs> matches. We were talking about the cricket, weren't we? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, you know, I'm an Arsenal supporter. Uh-huh. I'm Chennai Super Kings supporter. Mm-hmm. I follow the IPL final. Yeah. So these are the things that I like playing cricket okay. with my team. So, so that yeah. helps. You. And also the key thing is that for me, I need some sort of good quality sleep during the night time. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, the next day will be difficult for Don't me. Don't speak to you. <laughs> sleep is very important for me. Okay. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for your time, Kumar, and for your honesty. It's been a fantastic conversation, and I know that it will help. Um, and encourage but also educate many as well with what you shared today so thank you so much thank you monique and thank you to the bravery in the bo- boardroom You're thank welcome. you